Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR Lady. You can follow me on my website at brendathrlady.com. And I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much. You guys are just absolutely awesome. Um, I'm so glad to have you guys here for yet another episode. And if you're a first time listener, welcome. Okay, I'm here to share with you the strategic and tactical HR knowledge so you can master the what and the how in this field because I'm in the human business and that means a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. Holy cow, no kidding, right? Okay, let's see. What's going on? Oh, book release. The book is coming out June 5th. June 5th, June 5th. It is Best Practices in Human Resources, How to Claw Your Way from Wannabe v- to VP. And if you go to brendathrlady.com website right now, click on Shop at the Top and purchase your book, your copy, you will be entered in for a $250 valued, which actually is now more than $250, giveaway. Holy cow, it is a massive box, literally, and it continues to grow. Because I find something that's like, oh, that would be good going in there. And I load it up. And we're going to do a random drawing for one person on the pre-sales of the book. So again, you go to brendathrlady.com, click shop at the top, go ahead and order your copy of the book. And uh, you'll be able to get your, you'll be entered for a $250 giveaway. Holy moly, it's awesome. And if you're a VIP, if you're one of my VIPs, Uh, You also get to enter in, but you also get a little extra something in the mail as well. All right. So um, government contracting course. Uh, We have a new government contracting course that is out. It's called HR Compliance for New Government Contractors. If you are brand new to the industry, brand new to the field, pursuing your first contract, have no idea what to do as regards to HR, this course is actually going to allow you to get set up and it'll help you run down through everything that you need to know prior to hiring your first employee. Now this is this is the basic stuff and it is a comprehensive training. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't scare you. But it is the basics. It takes you through um, what what the most important things you need to have in place. In addition to that, it's also going to tell you what laws you have to abide by and it's going to give you a lot of other goodies and other bonuses that are in there. So it's literally loaded with information. And once you're in, we are going to continue to provide new information so it'll give you a place to come back as a long-term resource, which is going to be really awesome, especially with all the changes that happen in government contracting and compliance because that is a nonstop evolving beast. Um, So definitely check it out. Hop on over to the website, scroll on down, and you'll be able to connect with that. And then, of course, while you're on the website, go ahead and hit up the HR resources site and become my VIP 
It is an absolute awesome piece of information. It has access to current HR news, which includes six major employment news categories, literally over 100 streaming articles from nearly 70 resources across the U.S., and then we also have one in Canada because we do have some Canadian listeners too. So it includes things like COVID updates, employment law, legal updates, litigation updates, collective bargaining and unionization, which is a very hot topic right now. Uh, affirmative action, EEO1 reporting and OFCCP updates for government contractors, as well as information on disability. You can go ahead and download HR tools. We are you know, periodically updating videos and providing case law summaries, the case laws that make sense, right? Otherwise, we'd have this massive library of nothing but case law summaries because those come out every day. But we want to make sure we have the ones that are making massive impact to the workplace. Yep, see, that's what he said too. Okay, so we've got some poster updates. Haven't It's been a while since we've done <laughs> 10 poster updates. Oh, my goodness. Work from home. Work from home. Work from home. So the following states have poster updates. If you are in Virginia, Louisiana, North Carolina, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Utah, and San Francisco, California, you guys all have poster updates. Again, that is Virginia, Louisiana, North Carolina, Indiana, Illinois, San Francisco, California, Michigan, and Utah, you guys have uh, you have a poster updates and you can go and get your copy of the posters over at laborlawcc.com. And if you use posters 2021, you will be able to get 25% off of your order and you are not going to get craziness, all kinds of spooky, scary kind of marketing garbage that tells you like, oh my gosh, your posters are out of date. You're not going to get that kind of stuff. By the way, spend $500 and get a lot of stuff that you actually don't need. All right, you're not going to get that stuff. Um, lastly, lastly, it is here, folks. Clubhouse has arrived for Android users. It is still in beta test. You still need to go ahead and get your invite. But remember I told you earlier that you can become my VIP by signing up at the HR Resources site. When you sign up as a VIP, there's actually an automatic invite inside the website for you to go ahead and access and you can start participating and listening in on the clubhouse rooms in the HR club of which I am the founder of. We have like 13,000 members. Oh my word in the HR club. It's pretty fantastic. So you guys can go ahead and jump on, get your invite. Welcome to the world of clubhouse Android users. You're going to enjoy it. Now, folks, before I go on, the information that is available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue that you may be having. And if you don't have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me and I may be able to refer one to you through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. So we've got an awesome, awesome segment coming up. We've got a little, a little message from the Honor Foundation to share with you guys. And then uh, we're going to be talking about doing the mundane today. Blech. Today we're going to be talking about does doing the mundane things make sense? Is it effective? And the answer is yes. I'm going to explain to you why, <laughs> why that is. Doing the mundane is actually stuff that's really important. And 
Uh, today we're going to give you some examples as to what is going on in the world. And they're mundane, but you know what? We're going to share with you why those things are extremely important, okay? And we're going to give you some examples as to what happens if you don't do the mundane <clears throat> and how it impacts your organization. So before I do that, though, for those of you that are in Clubhouse listening, because we are recording this, uh, we're not recording you, but we are recording this for a future podcast, would like to go ahead and invite you guys, you know, if you, this is something that you folks feel is important that other people should hear, please do me a favor, click on uh, the uh, plus symbol down below and start inviting folks into the room. And let's see, who else do we have? Oh, Cooley, you have your party hat on. Want to welcome you. Uh, congratulations for joining Clubhouse. This is awesome. We're going to start seeing more Android users. And if you are not part of the HR club, I certainly encourage you to become one. I am the founder of it. It is the largest HR club that is in uh, Clubhouse. <clears throat> and uh, we're just going to absolutely crush it. It'll be great. All right. Mundane, mundane, mundane stuff, right? So the reason why I'm bringing this up is that what there's a lot of really cool things that we can do in human resources. And then there's a lot of required mundane stuff, the, the things that are not foxy and the things that aren't sexy. But unfortunately, the stuff that's not foxy and not sexy is also the stuff that has the greatest cost to it. Because there's a couple of reasons. Number one, there's so much of it that we have to keep our eyes and ears pinned and open to. The other piece is that it requires a lot of non-glorious work. <laughs> it really does. It's, it doesn't change. It's not very thrilling. It's kind of like, eh. But you know what? There are people out there that really do enjoy doing it. And if you're one of those people that like to do the extra above the on stuff, you know what? Hang in there and do it because it's all really great work. But if you're an individual who is wanting to do, uh, you know, the non-foxy, super sexy stuff because it's actually what really keeps the business in line and in check, um, you're really going to get a lot out of this. Okay, so scheduling practices. Boring, boring, boring. Except when there's a $150 million price tag that was attached to that over in New York City. And so we'll explain that to you right now. So Chipotle was sued by New York City over their scheduling practices. And the city has sought $150 million in relief for employees accusing the fast food giant of complete disregard of a law governing work weeks, which is another reason why I am so adamant intent that you guys read every single day mundane and boring right but it's actually kind of thrilling because you do you do learn a lot of stuff you have to be a lifelong learner to be successful and being a lifelong learner honestly is just that one percent that's the one percent that makes you from good to great if you do it each and every single day if you incorporate that part in your world because otherwise you're gonna be just like everybody else and who wants to do that right all right let's stand get, stand out and be spectacular all right, so New York City on Wednesday sued the fast food giant Chipotle Mexican Grill over what is said are hundreds of thousands of violations of a fair scheduling law at several dozen stores. All right, now the workers are owed $150 million in relief <clears throat> for the violations, according to the complaint, and the financial penalties could far exceed the amount, making it the largest action the city has brought under law. Well, here's a question for you. What if you're a small business that only brings in oh, I don't know, maybe $1.2 million a year, or you bring in $5 million a year in revenue, 
And next thing you know it, over the last several years, you've had thousands of violations of a fair scheduling law. This is the mundane, boring stuff that can actually shut your business down. Because $150 million in relief, even a fraction of that, even if it's $1 million in relief, that can kill a $5 million business. Absolutely kill it. Shut it down. The doors are shut. No more. And that's the number one responsibility that a company has is to keep their doors open so that they can make payroll. That's the responsibility. Okay. Now, the suit cites violations of the so-called Fair Workweek Law that includes changing employee schedules without sufficient notice or extra pay, <clears throat> requiring employees to work consecutive shifts without sufficient time or extra pay, and failure to offer works additional, excuse me, failure to offer workers additional sh uh, shifts before hiring new employees to fill them. So New York has got some pretty, pretty specific, very strategic, very... Uh, you got to follow the bouncing ball, really keep your eyes dialed in and whatever cliche you want to add in there type of laws pertains to this. Okay. Now the allegations, uh, cover the period from November, 2017, which folks was not very long ago. That was only four years ago when the law took effect <clears throat> in September of 2019. Excuse me. The law took effect in 2017 and the, the look back period is to from 2017 to 2019 September. All right. So we got the date. Sorry about that. When the city filed an initial suit involving a handful of Chipotle stores. So uh, the new complaint filed by the Department of Consumer and Worker Protection at the Office of Administration Trials and Hearings. God, man, don't you just love these long titles? Said that Chipotle had made some attempt to comply with the law since 2019, but that the violations were actually continuing. So they filed their first case against Chipotle and have unfortunately learned that the uh, initial charges were really just the tip of the iceberg, right? So 1%, 1%. So Mayor Bill de Blasio said in a statement that Chipotle's flagrant disregard for our laws and for their employees is unacceptable. Workers deserve reliable schedules and we'll do everything in our power to hold them accountable. So this is an example of a very large chain in a very specific area, somebody dropped the ball, like massively. This is, this is a combination of these allegations are a combination of the possibility of individuals, managers not being trained appropriately. Managers, you know, trust but verify is not happening, all right? And the fact that Chipotle was investigated and they determined as part of this investigation that these violations exist... They're going after him. Now, is it possible that in the midst of two years, Chipotle fixed the problem and the city is still going after him? Yes, that's very possible. But once again, that shows that the city of New York is actually working to wrong a right. And really, you know, they're, Chipotle is coming back and saying that, you know, the lawsuit is a dramatic overreach and that the company will vigorously defend itself. Now, Chipotle is a, a pretty good company to work for. So it's very likely that this is a scenario where there's two sides to every story and the truth lies in the middle. And it could be that this is an, a, this is an agenda. That's very possible, too. But, you know, look, it doesn't matter. It's expensive. <laughs> okay. It's expensive. 
So Chipotle also came out saying that they remain committed to their employees and their right to a fair, just, and humane work environment that provides opportunity to all. So, well, that's something else here that was in the article. It stated that rather than adopting the franchise model that many competitors rely on, the company owns and operates as roughly 80 to 90 stores throughout the city. Now, the workweek law that passed after lobbying by prominent unions included the powerful Service Employees International Union Local 32BJ, which has been trying to unionize Chipotle employees as well. Okay, so yes, they think there's a little bit of an agenda going on here as well. But there's a growing body of research that shows that erratic schedules can exact a large physical and emotional toll on workers and the children. But under the law, the fast food employers must provide workers with their schedules at least 14 days in advance. So that's one of the stipulations right there. Or if not, obtain written consent from them to pay the premiums for the shift. So it's designed to keep employers in check so that way employees aren't waiting to the last minute to find out if they are working, which to be quite honest with you, uh, it is a real pain in the butt. (laughs) I don't disagree that it is a pain in the butt. I think it's a good standard to have, you know, schedules released 14 days in advance. Um, Everything else I'm not, I don't really have much of an opinion on. I think it just is what it is. And employers must also provide workers with at least 11 hours between shifts on consecutive days or obtain written consent and pay them $100. And really the, the, the point of doing this is the hope is really to discourage the practice of forcing workers to work late into the evenings and help them open a store in the morning knowing as a clopening. <laughs> and when you've been, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in retail. I was in retail for 26 years. I One of the stores that I was a big part of the opening on was at the Warner Brothers Studio stores down in Waikiki when I, my family's from Hawaii. Long story there, whole nother deal. Um, but um, there were times where I would close at midnight and then have to be back in at 8 a.m. Sometimes I didn't get out of there until like 1 in the morning. And I'd have to be back in again at 8 a.m., 7 a.m. to be part of the opening. And and that is hard, but it's not as hard when you're young. It definitely would kill me today. There's no doubt about it. So the provisions requiring employers to offer workers additional shifts before hiring new workers was intended for it to make it easier for workers to earn enough income to sustain themselves. So employers in fast food and retail operations often hire more workers after a few hours to add scheduling flexibility. Uh, That is a very common practice. Absolutely. But the goal still here that New York is trying to accomplish is to have employers provide more stable and predictable schedules. Right. Does it sound mundane now? Probably not. Now, the complaint also accuses the company of violating the city's paid sick leave law, which was enacted in 2014 and mandated up to 40 hours of paid leave per year. And that ceiling actually grew to 56 hours beginning in January for larger employers. So the city contends that Chipotle illegally denied requests for time off, required workers to find their own replacements and did not pay workers for the time that they took. Now, according to the complaint, all of the estimates of all the estimated 6,500 Chipotle employees in New York City from New York, excuse me, from 2000, November 2017 to September 2019 were affected by violations involving scheduling and sick leave. And on average, they experienced more than three scheduling violations in a week. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So a woman who works over at the Chipotle at the Empire State Building said that through an interpreter that she typically received her schedule at least two weeks in advance and had not been asked to work clopenings, which is back-to-back closing and opening, but that she had struggled to receive enough hours to support herself. So she is 52 years old, 
and clearly she doesn't speak English, and with her last name, she is of Latino descent, that she often worked 40 hours a week when she started at the store in February 2018, but that her hours gradually fell after a new manager took over several months later. <clears throat> she said she worked about 21 hours a week for much of last year, and that the store was hiring new workers for a few months during this particular time. So yeah, that sounds kind of sketch, right? So she said that her hours that she said her hours had gradually increased since then, but only after she complained repeatedly to the store managers and area managers. And she said that a manager also asked her to find a replacement when she recently tried to take a sick day, but then she but that she refused. Look, if you if you call in and you're going to be sick, I would never ever ask an employee to find somebody to cover their shift, not if they're legitimately sick. Now, if they know that they're going to be out and it's a last minute thing, like, hey, I got something going on. I want to see if I can't, you know, just change my schedule and, and take tomorrow off. It's like, well, you know what? You need to cover your shift. That's different. That's absolutely different, right? There's a schedule's been out. You've known about this. I understand that cool stuff in life comes up. I'm, I'm all about you enjoying it. But you know what? If, if your absenteeism is going to put the store in a difficult, challenging situation, you still have a responsibility to make sure that your shift is covered. That's my opinion. That's a retail, long-time thing. If you want to go and play, that's great, but you got to cover your shift. Nothing, No harm, no foul in doing that. But if you're sick, you're sick. If you're legitimately sick, you're legitimately sick. And if you call in because I said no or you weren't able to find somebody, I already know what your game is. And if you're calling to say that you're sick, I'm not going to buy it, but I'm also not going to push you to find anybody to cover your shift. I'm just not going to trust you. And I don't know what's worse, right? I really don't. I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's worse is finding the hardship of trying to find somebody to cover your shift or losing the trust of my boss because I wanted to go do something and I, and I wasn't able to cover my shift. So I called in sick, even though I'm probably not. And you know what? In all fairness, when I was a boneheaded 22-year-old, I did that one time, and I didn't like how it felt. So I never did it again. I never did that again. I thought, well, that was lame. <laughs> so I never did it again. All right, so Chipotle has faced other challenges in recent years as well. As hundred people, hundreds of people, obviously, they brought this one back up again, uh, became sick after eating in the restaurant in 2015, and 16 from E. coli, <clears throat> uh, leading to a sharp decline in the company's stock price. So last year, Chipotle was fined, you know, nearly $1.4 million over accusations that it regularly violated Massachusetts child labor laws from 2015 to 2019, and the company settled without admitting any violations. You know, look, sometimes that's what you have to do as a business. Sometimes you just have to get the lawsuit out of the way because dragging it on will cost more than just actually settling it, but you can clearly settle it without admitting any type of violation, okay? The company has actually posted solid sales growth through the pandemic, but they had a $6 billion uh, revenue uh, listing last year, and its stock price has just gone through the roof. So according to New York City complaint that Chipotle frequently violated the law either by destroying or failing to maintain or produce records attesting to its scheduling policies. Okay, so ugly, boring, mundane, but very clearly important. Very clearly important. You don't destroy your records before you're required to. Okay, now whether they did or didn't, this is the accusation, and this is what you have to really make sure that you maintain and live up to. It's boring, it's mundane, it's not very sexy, but critical. <clears throat> 
So, uh, 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 so the quote here is they're saying that Chipotle failed to produce certain categories of scheduling information and the department requested in part because it had destroyed paper schedule records. Bad, bad, bad. However, the evidence Chipotle was able to produce, as well as evidence that employees provided, showed that Chipotle did not begin to implement key elements of the Fair Workweek law in any of its New York City locations until approximately September 2019. Woo! Okay, so that's a world of hurt. Um, that was an article that actually came out of the New York Times <clears throat> uh, fairly recently. Actually came out, what, the 28th of April? And it's called Chipotle is sued by New York City over scheduling practices. So, um, yeah, not very sexy, right? Not very foxy. A lot of boring stuff. Not very thrilling. But I'll tell you what, when you're in the midst of a, of a lawsuit like that, thrilling is not the right word I would use for it. It is nerve-wracking. And you're up because you, in HR, you quickly realize that there was a misstep and that the company's head is, is on and if you were the HR person at that time, your head is on a platter as well, right? You've got skin in the game on this. And you also have individual liability, which means that you can also be individually sued as well. Ew, 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 right? All right. Not very sexy, not very great, but very critical to the heartbeat of your organization. And... You know, this is a this is another perfect example of now for those of my people out here who are listening to are government contractors, this kind of stuff at, at I mean, this is a pretty egregious accusation. <clears throat> Even an accusation like this can cause a government contract uh, or a contract officer to get very, very, very concerned about your ability to conduct business as it in the human side of your business. So look. It's not sexy. It's not fun. We've said it over yet. It's Monday and it's boring. <clears throat> it, 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 it doesn't feel like there's any value to it. But this is one of the things that you have to do in order to get the people side of your business right. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's put that aside. <laughs> Who wants to talk about that? Uh, oh, yes. You know what? Before I forget, folks, I want to remind you that the Armed Forces Day is coming up this month. It's May 15th, 2021. And we typically like to do a salute during Armed Forces Day during the week and before typically throughout the month of May um, to remind you that, look, we, we, we have family members that are working who are still dependents of those who are serving our country nobly. And uh, whatever you can do uh, to acknowledge them, to support them, uh, to provide, you know, a, a, a potential community environment for anybody who is the spouse or dependent of uh, anybody serving in our military. You know what? It will be greatly appreciated. And right now, during COVID, we can we need to generate as many smiles as possible out there. And uh, because we are up against another wave of challenges that's going to hit, and it's already here. You just haven't really seen it very much in widespread. And if you thought running out of toilet paper and running out of hand sanitizer was a big deal, wait to see what's coming around the corner because we're really going to see it in June, <clears throat> and we are going to be up against the greatest supply and demand challenge this country has ever seen. And so whatever you can do to put a smile on the faces of folks is going to be greatly, greatly appreciated because life is going to get a little bit uncomfortable for a while. 
Okay, we are, we're Americans. We, do, we know that we don't like being uncomfortable. We were uncomfortable last year uh, not having toilet paper, not having hand sanitizer, not having wipes and cleaners and all the things and the masks and gloves and all the things that we needed to do to battle uh, COVID. But here we are. Guess what? We're, this is the second wave. And we're going to be running short on aluminum. We're already seeing prices increasing on wood. Plywood is almost non-existent. You can almost not get plywood right now which is going to stop a lot of home construction, a lot of projects. <clears throat> Gypsum board or uh, sheetrock is also going to be at a premium because of the demand is so high and the quantities are so low. Uh, anything that has silicon in it, anything, anything. If you saw, if you've been following my social media, you're going to see, uh, I saw, I posted an article out there the other day that a dog wash had to actually rechange out their circuit boards to accommodate a certain type of uh, microchip because they weren't able to get the ones that they had originally designed. It's going to add increased cost to your organization. It's going to slow down products. So if you're in the construction business, guess what? You're going to have a slowdown. You're not going to be able to get aluminum here real soon for a short period of time. That's going to impact HVAC. It's going to impact any, it's going to re impact recycling operations. It's going to impact, you know, imagine how many cans of soda that we drink on a regular basis. Beer, <laughs> okay? Aluminum is coming. It is, it's happening. As a matter of fact, I'm watching the stock prices go up in China because China has aluminum. Imagine that, right? All right, so it's happening. Boy, that was an interesting segue, wasn't it? But I just want to remind you <laughs> that Armed Forces Day is coming up. Whatever you can do, please, let's put a smile on people's faces and um, buy your wood, aluminum, silicon ahead of time <laughs> before the end of May while you're at it. Okay, so next, next Monday non-sexy thing coming down the pike that is probably going to make, uh, give you a little challenge ahead, but you know what, that's okay. <clears throat> uh, it's just something to get in front of and not behind or underneath. And this is going to, this actually comes out of a law firm called Constegi, uh, Brooks, Smith, and Profit. I think I said that, Constegi, yeah, Constegi, Brooks, Smith, and Profit. And uh, this was published out, what, April 30th? Yeah, just, just the other day. So federal paid leave laws actually may be coming. And uh, in his address to the joint session of Congress on Wednesday evening, President Joe Biden formally announced, amongst other things, the paid leave provisions in, of his American Families Plan. Now, <clears throat> at the plan leave uh, discussion, you can find on the actual link, it's on page 8 and 9, and I'm happy to go ahead and post that on my social. I'll be more than happy to go ahead and post that afterwards here. And uh, just take a look at page 8 and 9. Now, the specifics of the paid leave profile, matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to be very clear as to where you can find this. If you are a member of the Next Gen Women in Facebook group, you will find this link in there. And then you're welcome to join, but you have to be an HR professional. You have to answer all of the questions, and then, you know, we'll go ahead and let you in. Um, but you will definitely find uh, that link to the American Families Plan in there. But like I said, watch page eight and nine. Now, the specifics of the paid leave proposal could be more specific, but here's the information that is available. Employees would eventually be entitled to take up to 12 weeks of paid leave per year for a number of reasons, including the employee's own illness, the illness of a family member, a new child, military deployment of a family member, treatment of or recovery from sexual assault, stalking, or domestic violence, and bereavement. Now, a lot of these things, with the exception of bereavement, are already technically covered under the FMLA. Uh, so this is an extension <clears throat> of that. And here in the United States, we do like to tend to layer our laws 
one on top of the other and and get some double coverage under there because one law may not have some of the things that lawmakers feel need to be put in so they write another one that covers it and this is a really good example of something like that now uh eventually that's the key word right the paid leave would be phased in over a 10-year span now however three days of the paid bereavement leave would be available from the very beginning okay now uh, there's something that it, so the bereavement leave was something that is also targeted over in maryland okay this is so there's a trend i mean maryland and dc are right next to each other right so and and it's this is not a political conversation but understand lawmakers talk and and this is this there's there's a lot of things that are happening across the nation that we're seeing similarities there are growing trends this is one of them okay it's just a trend that's all it is whether you're for or against uh you know whatever my partisanship is with you guys but this is definitely a trend and i would not be doing my job and my role if i didn't point these things out now the program <clears throat> is a, it will actually provide workers with four thousand dollars a month with a minimum of two-thirds average weekly wages replaced rising to eighty percent for the lowest rate waged worker now that's from the president's proposal <clears throat> and it can't be paraphrased well because there really isn't any fully understanding of what it means and media sources really seem to think that it means that two-thirds of the average weekly wages replaced or eighty percent of the low-wage workers up to a minimum of four thousand a month but that may not be what the proposal is actually saying so we don't necessarily know yet how lowest wage workers actually are going to be defined and if you've learned anything from covid <laughs> you're going to learn that the government puts a law out there and then we figure out how to do it afterwards right and that's how the government works we've seen it with ffcra we saw it with fmla we saw it with aca mm it's just how it is so this gives you an opportunity to stay on top of it and then them being uh, underneath it okay so <clears throat> the president actually estimates that the cost of the plan will be uh, 225 billion over the next 10 years and that sounds a bit optimistic according to the author here that the cost of a much more modest paid leave proposal championed by uh, a former staff member which actually would have applied only to parental leave would have been provided in only eight weeks of leave paid and that would have been capped at six hundred dollars a week would have been funded by a small tax increase and reductions to the budget in other areas and the estimate cost to this is 500 billion over the next 10 years okay so the question is is how likely is this american families plan likely to pass and it's been introduced uh, through the budget reconciliation process, and if it's successful, that would allow it to pass the Senate with a simple majority vote and no filibusting, making it almost certain to be enacted. But there's some commentators that actually question whether or not that can be pulled off. And if not, then the AFP would have to pass the Senate with 60 votes, which is at this point not likely. Okay. There's also something called the Healthy Families Act, and President Biden also called on Congress to pass the Healthy Families Act, which was introduced on April 13th and would require employers of 15 or more employees to provide employees with seven days of paid sick leave per year. Now, the qualifying reasons in the pending House bills have some overlap with the American Family Plan, and that is physical or mental illness, injury or mental condition, obtaining a diagnosis, care or preventative care, and attendance at required meetings at a school which the employee's child is attending because of a medical condition or disability, and then also obtaining various types of assistance related to sexual assault, stalking, or domestic abuse. 
So if you like to read the bill, I will also go ahead and post that over in the Next Gen Women in Facebook group as well. Because that's kind of interesting stuff. <clears throat> All right. So mundane. Yes. Paid leave. Kind of boring. But you know what? With these changes, it's going to get pretty interesting. So we want to make sure that we have the uh, you've got the focus, the appropriate focus and intention on these changes that are coming down the pike. All right. Now, here's something that's going to be just a little bit of a shakeup. Okay, <laughs> and I love this. I absolutely love this article. I love it for a couple reasons. Um, look, it is no. If you are reading and if you're paying attention as to what is going on out in the world right now, you are seeing that there is a lot of change that is coming down the pike. And 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 the reason why I keep bringing these things up is so that you're prepared. It keeps on your radar, so you're aware of it. So that way, as these things cycle through, you're not caught off guard like you were with the Families First Coronavirus Act. Because let's face it, that was confusing. That was frightening. It was creepy. It was scary. We were dealing with COVID. It was it was a lot. And then it you know it it just it was very confusing. And for a lot of people in HR, that was the very first time that they ever had to go through a bill and a shift like that. I have not. I know exactly what to expect. And that is buckle up, sister, because here it comes. There's going to be things that are confusing. Breathe, because the clarity is going to come. You haven't done anything wrong. And you know what? Just it, These things evolve over time, right? So usually when change happens, it tends to ride an HR person's call to action button, which is the whole reason why we actually sit on here every week talking about you know, the different tactics that you can take and getting ahead is one of the biggest ones that you can take. Understanding, reading every single day, being a lifelong learner of the changes that are taking place in this country. Because after this president, there's going to be more changes that are coming. It just happens, right? It, it is what it is. And that's why I keep saying my partisanship is to you guys because I want to make sure that you're incredibly successful at what you do, particularly in the mundane stuff, right? All right, so I love this, love this, love this. Um, oh, man, this is another name I'm going to struggle with. This came from a law firm called Brazil, B-R-E-A-Z-E-A-L-E, -E -E, Sanchez and Wilson. Uh, and it is called Houston, we have a problem. Lessons learned from Elon Musk on the National Labor Relations Act and social media. So let's face it. Sometimes leaders post things on Twitter that are just not cool, and then there are things that... that Leaders post on Twitter that they shouldn't, and it blows up. And this is one of those, okay? It blew up. Now, this came out back in April 30th, and it starts off with, it says that the current White House administration, <clears throat> it's well known that pro-union stance and the more restrictive position of the National Labor Relations Board will likely take towards employers over the next four years. Employers must learn lessons whenever possible to avoid NLRA, violations national labor relations act all right now the nla is not rocket scientist but tesla's ceo and spacex founder elon musk should be able to hopefully get, garner some guidance from this because i promise you whoever's sitting in the vp seat over in tesla and over at spacex has had to have the conversation with this man telling him to watch what you say on twitter because that's exactly what happened so as part of a spate of violations of the NLRA by Tesla, Thursday, March 25th in 2021, the National Labor Relations Board upheld a 2019 ruling that found that a 2018 tweet 
made by Elon violated the National Labor Relations Act by threatening to revoke benefits from Tesla employees if they joined a union. Oh my gosh, bad, bad, bad. Don't ever, ever, ever say that stuff, right? Just even saying it. I mean, look, it's a documented quote. That is a violation. That is a protected, concerted and protected right. That is a that is a violation against the National Labor Relations Act. Holy cow, bad stuff. And you can see here we are, what, 2021? And there it's going back to 2018 from something of a ruling that was made in 2019. Yes, the administration is looking for stuff. Yes, it's out there. Okay, they're going to find it. So in the midst of the United Auto Workers ongoing union organizing efforts of Tesla's workforce, Musk posted the following message on his widely followed Twitter account. And I read it as a quote, nothing stopping Tesla team at our car plant from voting union could do so tomorrow if they wanted. But why pay union dues and give up stock options for nothing? Our safety record is two times better than when the plant was a UAW. That's the name of the union. And everybody gets health care. You can totally see what he's trying to do, right? But there's an interpretation, and it's, but why pay union news and give up stock options for nothing? That's the big, that's the big key right there. So after the UAW filed charges against Tesla, the NLB found that Musk's tweet can only be read as a reasonable employee. Here we go. As I mentioned this earlier, reasonable employee, right? This is how things are ruled. Musk's tweet can only be read by a reasonable employee to indicate that if the employees vote to unionize that they would give up stock options. That was the sentence that I called out just a second ago. So Musk threatened to take away a benefit enjoyed by the employees consequently for voting to unionize. And as part of its ruling, the National Labor Relations Board ordered Tesla to delete Musk's tweet post and required Tesla to post a detailed notice of its labor violations for its workers at its California plant. <clears throat> if the mission was to land a successful union negotiation, this ruling actually is a sign of an extremely bumpy ride. Now, the NLRA also vests employers with certain rights to voice their opinions on unions to their employees. So this is, this is not like, don't start feeling like you don't have any rights as an employer, that you don't have a lot of wiggle room, although the National Labor Relations Board is looking to minimize those. And that's that has been published. It has been very clear. It's been spoken. That's not me making it up. That stuff is out there. Okay. Now, the act also limits what employers can do in response to the union organizing efforts. And specifically, employers cannot threaten employers based on their union activity. They cannot interrogate workers about their union activity or sentiments. They can't make promises to employees to induce them to forego joining a union or engage in surveillance on workers' union organization efforts. Now, I'll tell you something. My father was a hospital administrator for 23 years, and he had a nursing union in the hospital that was relatively problematic. The employees actually were not being treated well. And so he made the commitment to them that they were going to step up <clears throat> in the hospital, and the hospital environment was going to get better. And somehow... I don't know how it was, but somehow, and they had a lot of lawyers in, involved in this, obviously, but the, but he made commitments. He made commitments to make improvements in the hospital. And ultimately what happened was that the hospital, the nursing union, uh, was voted out. It has never been back in ever since. 
and he made sure every commitment that he made was upheld. In addition to that, he also started attending external uh, like league events and made a real concerted effort to enjoy and recognize the accomplishments of all of his employees. So that was pretty cool, all right? All right, back to this. So employers should actually provide ongoing supervisor training <clears throat> and the intricacies of the National Labor Relations Act rulings, including whenever union organizing efforts are initiated. That is key and critical, right? Employer violations of the NLRA can lead to fines and arguably, more importantly, severely undermine the employee's perception of the employer. The NLRA also protects employees' rights to make certain statements on social media, regardless of whether union organizing efforts are occurring, and employee statements about wages, hours, or working conditions are protected, concerned and protected under the Act, and this protection has been broadly interpreted by the National Labor Relations Board in favor of the employee. So employers actually must avoid policies that prevent employees from making such, uh, excuse me, from prevent employees from making such protected statements on social media. This is especially true when current White House administration's pro-union stance that it and the National Labor Relations Board will maintain at least for the next upcoming several years. Okay, as long as Biden is in office, this is going to be a focus. Employers should have their social media policies reviewed and train their supervisors and managers to minimize the risk of National Labor Relations Act violations, particularly in light of increased organizing efforts throughout the United States. I'm telling you, this is an upcoming thing. This stuff sounds boring and mundane. It really does. But if you look at it as from the aspect of how do you protect your company and how do you you know, support the growth of your organization, you're going to wind up seeing that it is good work to do. It's going to be really, really good work. So, there you have it.